You're listening to The Morning Magazine. It's Friday, March 10th, 2023. I'm your host, Jack Armstrong. Coming up on today's show, we hear about the shortest St. Patrick's Day parade right here in Boulder, Colorado. After that, a vigilante Instagrammer updating traffic for his fellow I-70 followers. Then, it's sports talk with Jimmy. And after that, connections. This week, is the future of American cities more congestion, pollution, inequality, and social isolation? There is an alternative, Seoul, the South Korean capital. It's a modern city of 26 million people. Min Sun Ji and Tony Robinson discuss their new book, Sustainable, Smart, and Solidary Seoul, on connections with Joel Edelstein. After that, it's the morning sound alternative. All that's still ahead, but first, these headlines with KGNU's Stacey Johnson. State lawmakers have introduced three bills aimed at protecting the right to abortion and gender-affirming care in Colorado. The Democratic lawmakers introduced the bills in the General Assembly yesterday, building on last year's legislation that enshrined the right to abortion at any stage of pregnancy. The first of the three bills, SB 188, would protect anyone who receives or provides abortion and gender-affirming care, including people from out of state. It also bars state employees from taking part in interstate investigations related to that health care. The second bill, SB 189, would require insurance coverage for reproductive health care, including abortions and contraceptive access. The third bill, SB 190, would ban deceptive advertising from crisis pregnancy centers. Supporters say anti-abortion centers present themselves as legitimate reproductive health care clinics, but instead provide inaccurate and biased information about abortion and contraceptives. Since last summer's Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade, Colorado has seen an influx of patients seeking abortion care and other reproductive health services as other states passed abortion restrictions, according to Colorado Newsline. One of the bill's sponsors, Representative Elizabeth Epps of Denver, said the measures are necessary because while abortion is legal in Colorado, legality does not guarantee accessibility. A vote to rename Mount Evans is on hold after the U.S. Board of Geographic Names received a consultation request from a tribal government. In a surprise move yesterday, the board's executive director announced the delay, citing the consultation request, but did not specify which tribal government made it. The decades-long renaming process of Mount Evans, a 14,000-plus peak in Clear County, and that is visible from Denver, seeks to remove the name of former territorial Governor John Evans. Evans was instrumental in the 1864 Sand Creek Massacre in Colorado that murdered more than 230 Cheyenne and Arapahoe people, many of whom were women, children, and elderly. Governor Jared Polis has already endorsed changing the name to Mount Blue Sky, the name advocated by Northern Arapahoe tribal members. Northern Cheyenne tribe members support the name Mount Cheyenne Arapahoe. Prior to the governor's endorsement, the 15-member Colorado Geographic Naming Board unanimously approved the new name that included deliberations and outreach by the Clear Creek County Commission. 
Although the federal board did not reveal what tribe requested the consultation, the Denver Gazette reports Northern Cheyenne Tribal Administrator William Waxalong notified the federal board Wednesday. Waxalong says the Northern Cheyenne opposed Mount Blue Sky as Blue Sky is part of the Cheyenne Arrow Ceremony and the tribe considers the phrase sacrilege to throw around in public. The Denver Public Schools Board has voted to close three schools due to severe low enrollment. KGNU's Juanita Hortado has more. The vote to close Denver Discovery and Mathematics and Science Leadership Academy was unanimous at yesterday's Denver Public School Board meeting. DPS Vice President Ante Anderson cast the sole opposition vote to close Fairview Elementary. The vote comes after three years of decreasing enrollment and a $9 million loss of funding. DPS Superintendent Alex Marrero told the board that each of the schools facing closure have fewer than 120 students. In November, hundreds came out to protest the announcement to consider closing 12 public schools with low enrollment numbers. Students attending Denver Discovery, Fairview Elementary, and the Mathematics and Science Leadership Academy will merge with other schools within the district. The superintendent, Alex Marrero, has also assured the board that all employees currently working at these three schools have guaranteed jobs in the district. For KGNU, I'm Juanita Hurtado. The Denver Art Museum confirmed Thursday the museum has removed the name of Emma Bunker from a gallery wall after learning that Bunker had a close involvement with indicted art dealer Douglas Latchford. Emma Bunker was a longtime museum trustee and scholar who died in 2021. The museum said yesterday they have also given a six-figure donation from Bunker back to her estate and her children. U.S. officials indicted Douglas Latchford in 2019 for acquiring and selling illegally trafficked works of art, including Cambodian pieces that ended up in the Denver Art Museum. A year-long investigation by the Denver Post revealed Bunker aided Latchford in selling and loaning looted Cambodian relics across the globe. As a reminder, daylight saving time goes into effect this weekend as time springs ahead an hour at 2 a.m. Sunday, March 12th. For those wanting to embrace the last days of early evening darkness before the time change, parent-teacher organizations in Erie are showcasing luminaries this evening made by students and staff as part of the third annual Hope and Gratitude Project. The event runs from 6 to 8 p.m. on Briggs Street in downtown Erie. The luminaries feature hopes and gratitudes by Erie elementary and middle school students. Organizers are asking attendees to start the luminary walk on the south end of Briggs Street and to write their own hopes and areas of gratitude on the community luminaries on the north end. For today's weather, the National Weather Service says skies will be partly cloudy for Denver and Boulder and mostly cloudy for Fort Collins. Highs will reach the upper 50s, low 60s. Winds today could gust as high as 30 miles per hour. Tonight, skies will be mostly cloudy with a low of 34 degrees for Fort Collins, 39 degrees for Boulder, and 38 degrees for Denver. Tonight's winds could gust as high as 22 miles per hour. Fort Collins has a 20% chance of rain after 11 p.m. For KGNU, I'm Stacy Johnson. You're listening to The Morning Magazine on KGNU.
I'm Jack Armstrong. The Boulder chapter of the Odd Fellows will host the world's shortest St. Patrick's Day parade at 16th and Pearl Street in Boulder at around noon on Sunday. Jim Copel, a past grand for the Boulder Independent Order of Odd Fellows, joins KGNU's Alexis Kenyon to tell us more about the event. Jim, to start, tell us about where the idea of the world's shortest St. Patrick's Day parade came from. It came from a bunch of people sitting at the bar in J.J. McCabe's, probably 1982, and they were all sitting there saying, how come Boulder doesn't have a St. Patrick's Day parade? Because it was an Irish bar. And they said, well, let's do our own. And they got up and they went out and they marched down Pearl Street and <laughs> caused a ruckus and it's been going on ever since. Okay, so just a fact check here. Is it indeed the world's shortest St. Patrick's Day? I mean, or is it just one of the shortest? It's the world's shortest St. Patrick's Day parade in the world. (laughs) Okay, how long is the parade? Where does it start and where does it end? The parade goes from 16th and Pearl to 16th and Spruce, which is like, you know, one block, 100 feet. (laughs) And all these different groups come together and put on their show. And there'll be music and dancing and food and you know, Irish dancers, Irish wolfhounds, all these different groups of patio furniture, which is a, um, a lounge chair choreography event that cannot be matched on the planet. It's hilarious. And the Governor Polis will be there. So come on down and see your governor. And we're going to do this rain or shine. So it's going to be, it's going to happen. So. We want everybody to come and enjoy us. So the world's shortest St. Patrick's Day parade was a concept that originally was created back in the 80s. How many years have the Oddfellows been doing it? Well, we only just did the one last year. Okay. And it was it was hilarious because the people were just cracking up. And then we had, you know, a big dinner upstairs. I don't know if this part is open. It's not open to the public, but we've done lots of really a wild parties. And I'll bet you some of y'all... Remember the Halloween parties at the Oddfellows Lodge back in, a few years ago? There would be like six, eight hundred people really? come through there. Wow. People talk about it still. Really? It, it's like 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you should bring that back. I feel like Boulder could use a good Halloween party. We will, yeah, because, you know, we were completely shut down for the last three years. Because of COVID, yeah. yeah. And um, But it's beautiful in there. And, and for those who don't know anything about the Oddfellows, they're a fraternity group that has been in Boulder since the 1800s. And they own the building where the Army Surplus store used to be. The floors above that store are their Boulder headquarters. Yeah, we've got three stories upstairs that are all original 1899. And it's a beautiful space for fundraisers and concerts. So it's really a great place to to hang out. Well, is there anything else you want to tell people about Sunday's parade? I think it would be a really good time to see a big turnout and everybody come down and laugh and have fun. Last year, everybody was smiling and happy. And I hadn't seen that for so long after the pandemic. And we want to recreate that community joyfulness and play. Jim Copel is a past grand of the Boulder Lodge Number no. 9 Independent Order of Oddfellows. Jim, thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you very much. For more information about Sunday's parade, visit news.kgnu.org. For KGNU, I'm Alexis Kenyon.
In the over 2,000-mile stretch of Interstate 70, the three-hour portion between Glenwood Springs and Denver tends to draw a lot of attention. With frequent closures, especially in recent years, the affected area has gained a lot of news coverage and an Instagram page. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Katie and Kay's Haddison Rensbury has more. According to a Pew Research survey from 2021, approximately half of Americans get at least some of their news from social media. Although platforms like Instagram, Facebook, and Reddit can be rife with misinformation, in some cases the people managing the pages want travelers to be aware of safety concerns or road conditions. That is the case with I-70 Things. Now an outdoor media brand, the page began as a collection of the strange and unusual happenings on a road that often features standstill traffic. As the page has evolved, there are still goofy antics and strange things strapped to small cars, but now the community submissions include up-close and personal videos of dangerous driving and jackknifed semi-trucks. Like everyone else, I myself have been stuck on I-70 plenty of times. I have sat in traffic, I've sat during closures, and one particular day when um, it was snowing a ton and You know, there were a bunch of cars off the side of the road, semis jackknifing. I was riding passenger seat in my friend's truck, and I just kept taking photos of everything because, I mean, there were probably around eight to ten incidents that I saw just that day driving in one direction. That was brand founder Alejandro Brown. Say there's an accident here in Glenwood Canyon, and you're right behind it. You're literally the first person to know. And with that, by submitting something into I-70 things, I'm able to put that up pretty much instantaneously. That knowledge is super helpful because it saves people time and money too because they're not just idling on the highway all day. The consistency of these closures, right, and how it affects everyday people like to do basic things. It's not just tourists, for example, going skiing all the time, driving on in Colorado. I mean, it affects the locals, right? And it affects us whenever it happens because we need to live our lives With a detour that adds more than two and a half hours, Coloradans are committing to more than just taking the scenic route when traveling across the state without monitoring road conditions on CDOT or other sources. Followers of the page often thank Brown for helping to inform their travel plans. Safety is a really big thing for me, but also, I mean, decreasing the volume of vehicles on the road. And so, for example, if there are going to be lane closures for a certain week at certain times. CDOT does convey that information over to me so that I can provide that to the community. I do work with Ride Busting and Pegasus in order to kind of help decrease the amount of vehicles on the road at any given time via carpooling. You know, by highlighting them as options for travel, especially through the mountain corridor, There are people who don't feel comfortable driving in the snow, but, for example, have to go to that doctor's appointment, right? Or go see family, whatever it may be. And, you know, we can decrease the amount of vehicles on the road and make the, you know, the road safer as well. That's a win-win for everyone. Another thing in regards to, you know, the safety pieces, a lot of people don't know that traction law exists. And that's really unfortunate because it affects all of us, of course. And most of the time, people that aren't aware of it are flying to DIA, for example, head up I-70 to wherever their destination is, and unfortunately get stuck on the side of the road. That, again, affects all of us. Sure, yeah, especially with the fact that there's such a high amount of commuters in the area between 
Rifle or Glenwood to places like Vale. One of my goals is to continue to highlight the traction lot itself. I get DMs all the time about, hey, what is this traction lot? Fortunately, you know, there are great resources to really just break it down in infographic style. Hey, if we can just decrease the amount of incidents, you know, if that's one car we get off the road that shouldn't be there, who knows what the other outcome could have been, you know? What is your favorite kind of content to receive from people? I'd say the most valuable information is definitely when an incident occurs and it isn't, um, say, known yet, right? There hasn't been a traffic alert or, you know, an article written or whatever it may be, right? It's the community helping out the community. And those, those are huge because they help people either avoid a certain stretch of the highway or, of course, stay home or leave early or whatever it may be. You see um, also people, you know, kind of camping chairs just parked outside their vehicle if it's a nice day out and mingling with their fellow traffic buddies. <laughs> yeah, traffic has never looked so fun than more than the points where you post photos of people sitting in traffic in their lawn chairs, yep, just hanging exactly. out on a summer night because they don't really have anywhere to be or if they do, they're not getting there anyways. Yep, exactly. It's, you know, you can't really control it. So, I mean, I stress being prepared. Being prepared looks different a lot of times, but, you know, obviously food and water, some snacks and camping chair too. <laughs> Another favorite submission Brown recently received was the video of Carbondale-based band Elk Range serenading a snowy crowd of travelers installed traffic. In the future, Brown intends to bring I-70 things into further collaboration with transportation services and with outdoor brands. For KDNK News, I'm Hattison Rensbury. That story was shared with us via Rocky Mountain Community Radio, a network of public media stations in Colorado, Wyoming, Utah, and New Mexico, including KGNU. Guys, it is always important to stay humble in your ventures here. That's why at KGNU, I always describe this sports show as kind of the Michael Jordan of sports shows here on KGNU. Hello and welcome back once again to the very best sports show here on KGNU. Don't tell them that it's the only sports show. Sports Talk with Jimmy. I am your host, Jimmy Searfoss, coming at you with the best sports news and stories from across the front range. Guys, it is March. And I know this is a very important month for the sports fans around the world because, A, it's my birthday month, and that's what matters most. But, B, madness happens in March. But this time, I wanted to talk about the high school basketball teams because they also are having their own little March Madness with their playoffs, too. They do a very similar NCAA tournament-style bracket to determine the champion for each conference. Now that goes through all of the high school conferences here in the state of Colorado from 6A all the way down to 1A. The way it works, the bracket starts with 32 teams in it and they work their way down from there. So the 32nd ranked team is going to have to end up playing the first ranked team and so on and so on. With the top 16 teams having home court advantage in the last few weeks, these playoffs are down to their final four and some conferences are even in their championship games. So this week I wanted to recognize some of these schools and what they've accomplished Nevertheless, let's hop into it. In the case of 6A, they're down to their final four. Now, these games are getting played at the Denver Coliseum today, Friday, March 10th, where they have the number one ranked Mountain Vista team taking on number four, Denver East, at 4 p.m. 
And the number seven Regis Jesuit team is going to take on number three Fossil Ridge. Notice how I didn't say Cherry Creek in that. And I did not say Valor Christian in that. Valor Christian ended up getting out in the great eight last week. And Cherry Creek got bounced in the first round. Some kind of interesting upsets for some powerhouses here in the state of Colorado. I know that Fossil Ridge team is very talented. So those are going to be some very good games happening up in the Denver Coliseum. When you go down to 5A, they're also playing today in the Denver Coliseum. Number one, Air Academy is taking on number five, Frederick at 5.45 p.m. And then number two, Mesa Ridge is taking on number three ranked Windsor at 7.15 p.m. And 4A... They're in their championship game where the number 17 Holy Family is taking on the number two seeded Resurrection Christian at 11.45 a.m. So they're getting going early here, but that number 17 Holy Family has been on a quite a tear this playoffs. The number 17th seeded team. When it comes to 3A, they're in their final four where they have Faith Christian taking on number four seeded Highland. Faith Christian's that number one seed. And then they have number two seeded Salida taking on number six Windsor Charter Academy. I know they've had quite the run themselves. Those games are actually taking place in the Hamilton Gymnasium over at the University of Denver. And then in 2A at the Budweiser Center in Loveland, Colorado, number ninth seeded Evangelical Christian is taking on number fourth Ray. And then number seven Sanford is taking on number three Lyman. Those games are today, March 10th. And then finally in 1A basketball, Taking place over at the Bank of Colorado Arena up at the University of Northern Colorado, number one Bellevue Christian is taking on number four Stratton, and number two Denver Jewish Day is taking on the third-ranked McClave. Those guys are all going to be playing today here in various locations around Colorado, so if you heard your name called, make sure you go check out your school. These are good times to be a high school basketball fan. It's always good to see competitive high school sports. Guys, that is all the time I got for you today. I have been your host, Jimmy Searfoss, here on Sports Talk. Make sure you tune in next week to get Sports Talked even more. Time now for .org, spotlighting the work of local nonprofits and co-ops. Hi, this is Chris Schultz with KGNews.org, and I'm here with Corey Hollister from Medicine Horse. Corey, you want to tell us a little bit about your organization and what you guys do? Uh, Medicine Horse, we are a equine uh, facilitated therapy and learning. We work with horses and people uh, to help transform lives and uh, use the power of horses to really bring change uh, to people in groups. Medicine Horse has been around for almost 20 years and it was founded by uh, a veterinarian that I think uh, really understood the potential and, and power of horses. Uh, we work with a lot of different populations from uh, veterans, uh, LGBTQ+, Latinx youth, uh, breast cancer survivors, and support groups for grief, uh, youth experiencing homelessness. So, you know, I think um, really just about anyone can benefit from uh, interacting with the horse, being uh, in community, and uh, really help create the conditions for their own insight and growth. Uh, we kind of focus in a couple different areas. So one side is our signature programs, uh, which is really kind of the main area for the nonprofit. And in here, we work on bringing groups together of uh, in need and underserved populations into a group setting and working with uh, three to four horses and uh, therapists 
really allow uh, not only for individuals to establish a relationship uh, with the horses, but also gain the benefit of being in group with each other. Uh, and then also provide opportunities for individual therapy in the form of scholarship. So either people that are in the groups and may need some continuing care or people that are referred to us and may uh, benefit more from an individual type uh, setting to where they can work with a therapist and the horses uh, together. So that's a good point. You guys have therapists and LCSWs on staff? Yep, absolutely. Uh, so uh, all the groups are run by a licensed therapist and using principles of uh, natural lifemanship and other therapy uh, programs for horses to help guide what we do in our work. Uh, the horses are really the partners. Uh, they're not a tool. We look to lean on the horses for the magic they can bring in terms of presence and connection and allowing people to open up and really create uh, an opportunity for transformation. And why horses? Well, you know, horses really are uh, an amazing animal, just uh, one in terms of their heart field. They uh, have a heart field that's 10 times as strong as us. And horses also really mirror how we're showing up. So, uh, you know, if we're in a specific state, that's going to be mirrored in the horse. And then that can help an individual to kind of understand how they may need to get themselves present with the situation. Uh, and then they'll see that mirrored in the horse. So they really have an amazing ability to help individuals gain that self-awareness and help you know, lead them through being able to learn how to come and create that presence within themselves. So in addition to the therapy with the horses, is there an aspect of animal husbandry? Do people come and take care of the animals? Yeah, you know, as an organization, uh, you know, having horses, is they, they require a lot of care. So we do have a strong volunteer program and other ways that people are interacting with the organization. But even within the group, uh, you know, a part of that is, you know, not only learning how to establish relationship with the horse, um, but also learning horsemanship techniques, uh, grooming, leading a horse, uh, you know, some uh, bareback riding in a lead situation. We're not a therapeutic riding. It's more about being in relationship with the horse, but uh, people do learn uh, horsemanship skills as part of uh, their experience uh, when going through the program. How can people find you online and in the real world? Medicinehorse.org is our website, and we're located in East Boulder County in Longmont on County Line Road. So pretty convenient from Boulder, Longmont. You've been listening to KGNews.org. For more information on this organization or to listen to other episodes, please go to news.kgnu.org. That's all the time we have for today's Morning Magazine. Special thanks to Stacy Johnson, Alexis Kenyon, Juanita Hurtado, Jimmy Searfoss, and Chris Schultz. Stay tuned for Connections and a conversation about the future of American cities with Joel Edelstein, just after these news headlines from the BBC.